everybody. This is Greg Refner on the Contact Center KPI podcast. And today we have Sean Moss with us, fellow Arizonian. Uh, I'm enjoying the heat here in Arizona summer. Um, Sean is the founder and VP of ScoutNet and Stella and Stone and um, distressed hat wearer on our episode today. So Sean, please say hi. <laughs> thanks, for the, thanks for the intro. Yes, distressed hat wearer. We have something in common, although mine's more worn than yours. But yeah. <laughs> so we'll talk about call centers and and why people of our age wear hats. Bingo, bingo, love it. Yeah. So Sean, we're going to get into customer lifetime value today as the KPI. Um, so before we get into that, give me a, a little bit of background. Um, I think you might be one of the, the only sure. founders we've actually had um, on sure. our podcast. So I'd love to kind of okay. hear your background how you got into this world. I don't think anybody goes to college and says, I'm going to get a degree in call no, center management. So kind of, how did you, how did you get here? Yes. I mean, they, they call the call center, the accidental career, right? Okay. Because you kind of fall into it and then you stay. Right. And, um, and it's kind of a pleasant accident. So I, I have a bit of a weird background. I originally wanted to make my grandmother happy and become an accountant. That didn't actually work out so well. My first real job after accountancy was uh, selling insurance on the phone uh, for a large insurer. And that was about 23 years ago. Okay. So I've been in call centers about 23 years, worked for most, uh, most very large blue chip financial services businesses, um, managed very large contact centers and a couple of very small ones uh, at various levels. Uh, currently, I'm uh, I'm the VP and founder of uh, two businesses. One being ScoutNet, which is an outsourced call center uh, offshore, and the second being Stella and Stone, which is a company that specializes in chatbot recruitment for call centers. And nice. um, yeah, maybe maybe just how we got into that was um, so literally at the heart of COVID, um, right when we began, we had this idea which said, "Can you have?" a call center which is purposely built to be completely remote, right? Deliberately built from the ground up with all the technology and all the people. And we do not want offices and we do not have offices, right? And how do you build something like that to support financial services? So that's what we did. And then on the back of that is you're attracting, you know, thousands of people who want to work from you or for you. So how do you screen them in a way that's, you know, intelligent and easy? And that's where we, we formed the Arizona Arizona founded business, right? Which is the chatbots. Nice. Nice. Um, so I think um, one of the things that I always enjoy about like founders is when they've come from like an individual contributor up into a manager slash leader. So they've kind of felt the pain at every stage of that career journey, right? So you kind of know what it's like to be an agent on the front lines every day. Yeah. You know what it's like to be kind of overseeing a team of agents, probably in the trenches still a little bit. And then you kind of go strategically as you go up. So I think it's, um, it's always nice talking with folks who've kind of um, participated in the full spectrum of what it's like to work in that environment. So um, our focus today is on long-term customer value. So why, why, why focus on that, Sean? So... I think that in any call center, and I don't think it matters whether it's outsourced or local, there are a myriad of KPIs, 
right? In any given point, you could have, you know, your top three, you could have 200. And it's sometimes really difficult to figure out what's actually important, um, especially if you're trying to build something at scale. So lots of people focus on, you know, it might be an MPS score. Mm -hmm. Or you might say, well, what is my first time resolution score or um, average wait time, right? So, so really, depending on the nuance of the call center, there are a lot of KPIs and a lot of focus as to why they're important for me. And I think because I come from an environment that is um, based in large volumes of customers, uh, the number one KPI that I that I always look at as as kind of blue sky is long term customer value. Yeah. And, and the logic behind that um, is really, for me, pretty simple, right? It's very hard to measure, by the way, but I think conceptually. So if you spend time and money and energy acquiring a customer, which every business does, right? at some stage, this person wasn't a customer, now they are. And that can be for a product, it could be for a service. The question that, that you should be asking is, well, how long is that person my customer for? Right? So how many premiums am I going to get? How many products can I cross and upsell to that person and over what kind of period, right? So really mapping that out and saying, well, you know, do we have a customer for the next three years or the next 10 years? And how much will they pay us? How many times do we expect they'll phone us? What does those engagement looks like? What, what does that engagement look like? So if you, so to, to flip the conversation slightly, if you're having a conversation which goes, well, we need to get our, I don't know, our um, average handle time, right? No, we want to get our average handle time down to three minutes. Like That's the goal. That's the KPI. I always push back at that and kind of go, all right, but if you've got a customer who's been paying you for three years, you're okay, a problem, taking, right? you're okay taking eight minutes to handle right? them. <laughs> exactly. And if you know that this person most likely will pay you for another eight years after that, like, can you take another three minutes? Is it really that big a deal? So, so I think it frames the conversation really differently and back to almost a human, a human interaction, but has a monetary backing. All right, all of those kind of elements. So, I, long, I, long I, answer uh, to a short question. No, it's it's good because ultimately, I think, you know, um, call handle time, uh, first contact resolution, these are all like leading indicators. Almost customer lifetime value is almost like a lagging indicator, one that you don't realize until eight years, 10 years down the road. Right. And so all those other ones are kind of leading up to and trying to impact um, customer lifetime value. Sure. And this is why, like, um, I always kind of, anybody who, like, lives and dies by black and white decision-making, um, I always kind of get a little, I don't want to say frustrated with, but I always, I always go, like, yeah, but there's always these, like, exceptions to the norm. There's always these what-ifs that need to be taken into account for. And right. to your point, if someone's been paying you a thousand dollars a year in insurance premiums right. and they've been they've been a customer for 10 years and they've never had an accident, like take some more time with them. Like maybe yeah. we want to incentivize somebody to um, you know make them feel like they're not just being rushed off the phone. Absolutely right. And and the most successful companies do this particularly well. And sometimes you don't even know they're doing it. So you'll take like Amex, you know, if you're in the top tier, if you phone, no one's rushing you, right? 
and and it almost feels accidental but it's very deliberate so what they've done is they've graded their customers in a way that says well our most valuable black card customers they have their own phone number and they've got exclusivity and and right so but they've done it from a there's almost a physical you know you get a card as opposed to well okay let's have intelligence which goes yeah this person's paid for three years right how do we treat them how do we speak to them and if you really wanted to get super intelligent about it, and some contact centers do this where they will automatically route that customer based on the incoming phone number through to their top 10 or top 12 agents right knowing that this is almost like a concierge yeah right yeah. but it doesn't have to doesn't have to be that complicated right so let's let's make it simple right so i sure. think one of the things we've done really well in this podcast is providing some simple action items yeah. that listeners can take to try to impact a certain metric so what are maybe let's focus on two let's just pick two if we want to simplify this down and say these two things you could deploy tomorrow or maybe in a month two months kind of depending upon the size of your organization what are these two things that you could maybe even look at or evaluate or even use to start impacting that customer lifetime value Right. So I think one of the first things is recognizing that it is a KPI you should measure. Okay. So before, before you even go anywhere, take your giant dashboard of all the KPIs you think is important, have a look and go, is it there? Do we have a number for it? So maybe that number is we want $8,000 over the next 10 years. Okay. That is our goal for customer lifetime value per person. All right. That's a stated goal. Now let's measure that, All right? So let's figure out where we are tracking to that. So then what is our average? So if you're in an insurance space, what, is my, what are my total number of customers times by my total premium times by my lapse rates or you know, the actuaries usually get involved, my degradation rates. Okay, so this is what I expect it to be. Great, so now I have what it is and now I have what I want it to be, All right? And at the, at the very least, know the numbers. So know where am I today and where would I like it to be? I mean, that's, um, I think that's a pretty easy thing to find. There's some KPIs that are a little bit more ambiguous. Um, first contact sure. resolution, like call, you know, I, I think that is debatable depending upon which side of the conversation you're on, whether you something was resolved or not, but like customer lifetime value, that's, but that is pretty black and white. It's kind of hard to argue, you know, when you're talking numbers like that. There's not a lot of subjectivity to that. So I think that's right. a good point. Well, right. um, well I think where on. the subjectivity sometimes comes in is it's not always really easy if you're acting as a service provider for someone else. Okay. Right. So if you're, as an example, like an outsourced contact center designed to do customer service or designed to work with gas and electric. Right. As, as that call center owner, you don't really get a lifetime value from a, hmm. from a customer. It's not your customer, right? You're outsourced. Right. But what you can start doing is in start measuring, well, what is my customer lifetime value? Right. So how am I impacting them and start interrogating with them those conversations? Because what happens is, and it's a, it's a, it's a strange nuance. As soon as you do that, usually these these customers who are putting pressure on you to get first-time resolution and to cut costs, if you flip that conversation and go, but I'll tell you what, like let's understand what positive impact we're having on your recurring revenue 
or on your cross-sell or on your upsell strategy. You know, now is it so important that we cut costs on QA? Is it so important that we, you know, get uh, an average handle time of one minute, 20 seconds? Well, maybe not, all right? So it changes the narrative quite quickly um, where your clients start recognizing, well, there's more to it. And that's assuming you're outsourced. And if you're in source, then you should know that number. Like, what is your impact? Yeah, yeah. Or even if you're outsourced, like, you know, you can ask for that. Why not ask for that as part of, you know, the process? Like, hey, I want to know what this number is because, you know, we we don't focus on, let's call it the 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 leading indicators. We focus on the lagging indicators, which is ultimately what you care about, Mister Business Owner. Um, yeah. So, so you're managing an, all the inputs, right? So everybody's fanatic about managing all these inputs on the assumption you're getting the correct output, but no one's actually managing that output. So yeah. you're kind of like throwing darts in the dark, right? The darts are yeah. super sharp. You know where they go. They're perfect. They're shiny, but you don't know if you're hitting the dark. That's true. Yeah. What, um, what would be a second one that somebody could kind of take away and, and look at impacting today to, to really um, move the needle? on improving customer lifetime value. So I think the next one is recognize that customers do go through journeys, right? No customer is yours forever and you need to recognize that. So it's almost a case of having a high level conversation of mapping that out, okay. right? So if, if you have your ideal customer, right, what does that person look like? What does their journey look like, right? So I'll, I'll give you a practical example. So there's a very large, um, uh, motor and home insurer in the US, whose name I will not mention, who are um, particularly good at acquiring clients. So they're particularly good at offering massive discounts if you're a first time with them, and it's amazing and it's wonderful. And the minute that year one is done, you get on average a 29.2% increase. And now you're sitting there going, but I haven't claimed. I'm a great payer, an amazing credit score. I don't get it. And they're going, well, we don't get it either, right? So <laughs> essentially what's happening is, oh, this is, this is an honest conversation. So essentially what's happening is you've got, you've got a team that has prioritized customer acquisition, but not lifetime value, right? They haven't, they've prioritized that let's get numbers in for whatever reason. And that the 29% increase um, for the sake of getting those few extra hundred dollars, they lose clients for the next five, 10 years. Yeah. So my, 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 my sort of second very quick takeaway is recognize that journey, right? Recognize yeah. that you're in it for the long haul. And some really good insurance companies actually map this out for 20 to 30 years. We're not talking two to three years. Right? They know, especially life cover, right? They know that it's a long-term journey. And how do you communicate how do you engage? What are you prepared to sacrifice today to know you're keeping that person long-term? Because there is a sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, I can think of basically every insurance company I've ever had fitting the description of what you just said. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, my, uh, when they build a profile of me, they probably go like, oh, he's probably going to leave us after a year because he's gonna, we're going to double his insurance premium just, right. because, uh, just because we can. Right, which uh, is an actual, which is a strategy. Somebody, somebody did that, right? And that's, that's fine. Like, by the way, if that's their strategy, I don't agree with it. But if that's their strategy, that's that's fine. Just know that's the sacrifice but you're going to sacrifice. Exactly, some of that's that. perfect. That's the point. So, yeah. so have a target. What is it? What do I want it to be? 
And what am I sacrificing? What does that journey look like? And you can and do just that be, on a whiteboard. Right? You yeah. don't, don't do fancy. Don't buy programs and you know, just get a whiteboard, get your team, sit around a table and go. What and just be like? honest about it too. Like if you're going to like, hey, we're going to increase your premium 30%. We know we're going to lose X percent. Like you just need to be honest about it and just yeah, own absolutely. it. Like don't sit around and say, oh, we're going to, we're going to fight. We're going to overcome it with objections. No, people are going to leave because they're going to be pissed off at us and they're not going to pay more. Um, and yeah, just absolutely. be honest about that. And so, then, so what's weird is you have a rattle effect just to close it off. So, so what's interesting is now you've alienated a customer who inevitably will talk to their friends and family. Yep. And then you'll spend more and more money on above the line marketing to try and get market share back. And you've got execs sitting there going, I don't understand why people are leaving. Spend more money on marketing. <laughs> and you get this, um, you get this like, so not a virtuous cycle, you get like a vicious cycle, right? Yeah, vicious Your cycle. acquisition costs go through the roof. And some exec goes, we've got to maintain a profit margin. So what do they do? Everyone's premiums increase and you start again. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, it's almost well, like there's an easy way to solve that. There, there uh, is actually, and just you know, look at customer lifetime value. That's that's the easy way to solve it. Like recognize your long game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Accept that. Yeah, that's. Uh, I love that. Um, what is one thing that you've seen? Kind of going inverse, opposite direction. Yeah. What is one thing you've seen companies do that is just like? This thing hurts lifetime value more than anything else. Don't do this. What is that one thing? So I think I think the one thing clearly is trying to take a blanket approach to everyone. Okay. Right. Is is having somebody who's super smart and some analytics team think that because you're a I don't know, a thirty seven year old white male who lives in a particular area, obviously you must be interested in X. Right. That is not a that is no personalized approach. That doesn't know me, it doesn't know who I am, it doesn't know what I want. Right. So having this blanket way of dealing with everyone, right, is I think the major thing that hurts value. Because yeah. when it comes down to it, and I'm gonna deviate slightly on topic because I think it's relevant. You know, lots of people are on the AI train, right? And AI is gonna help, it's gonna take jobs, it's gonna customer service, and you know, like so I so I know it by the way, I know that I supported some of it. I support like where it can help agents and not take away jobs. But where, where I was going with that is just, you've got to recognize that more and more people are craving more human interaction and more real personal connection with themselves and with their brand, right? Know me a little bit, make it like a little effort. And once you do that, I'm yours. Because yeah. that in itself, would would make would differentiate you from everyone else. And it's not hard. It's it's generally not hard to just know if I'm driving that type of car or if I love buying this type of product on Amazon, chances are good, you know, that I have a kid in school. If I've got a you know so what does that mean? Well what do I what am I looking for next? Right? And it's just having that intelligence and just basic. It doesn't have to be complex. Yeah, just basic, right? Like it doesn't have to be a lot. Yeah, just have a human a, connection. Yeah, right. Just Pre a simple thing. <laughs> just, just actually care a little. Yeah, right. Just a little, like a little bit of caring. It's, 
the the bar for success is so low, unfortunately, <laughs> that it doesn't take much to feel like I'm being treated well because 99% of the time yeah. I'm treated poorly. But so, isn't that completely tragic, right? It that, is. That it has to get to the point where what we're talking about is efficiency and cost as opposed to human interaction and value. It's... Oh, I but, that... but it's not a bad thing, right? Because I'll tell... No, it's a great... Like I feel like I've downed you, so it's fixable. No, no, it's just it's, re, right? it's the it's reality fixable. of the world we live in, but it is fixable. Um, I just don't know. Like that's. Um, I'll give you a quick just... example of one company that gets it right. Okay. okay, so just a quick one. There's a bank. They're a private banking company, right? And okay. what they do is interesting. So they they record your voice, they know your phone number, and when you phone in, they know it's you phoning. And they say, in my case, hello, Mr. Moss, how are you doing? And I'm just speaking to Dave. I say, hey, Dave, I'm doing well. How's it going? And in that moment, they validated my voice, right? And now they've authenticated me. And the very first thing that Dave says to me is, oh, Mr. Moss, I can see that you were shopping at wherever. Is this what you're phoning about? Was there an issue? Because there's a bit of logic there, right? Like, I don't have to say push one push six, push 18. Enter my social security enter number, my, enter my phone number that I don't right, remember anymore. Right. Yeah. So you, but all they've done in that moment is they've authenticated me. They've had a 30-second look at my accounts and gone, most likely he's calling about. Yeah. And even so if true. they're wrong, I feel like they know me. <laughs> right? It's spot on. It's spot on. Um. Wrapping up here, our time together, Sean. Um, I've walked away with a couple nuggets. Um, personally, I, I definitely you've, you've changed my thinking around what I thought used to be uh, the most important KPI in my mind, but now I realize those are all kind of again lagging indicators or leading indicators for that lagging Good. indicator of customer lifetime value. Um, for if you, you know you, if you were to give our listeners one piece of advice, what would it be around you know focusing on lifetime value or they're trying to get their boss to buy into this idea. What would that piece of advice be? I think the piece of advice would be, firstly, know, put it on your KPI scorecard. Talk about it. Make it visual. And, and then if you really want to get it right, waterfall that down into your teams. Okay. Right? Have it as a conversation point of, you know, today I added $20,000 in lifetime value as, a, as an agent, right? because I know that interaction meant this. How much better is that than saying, you know, oh, today I sold a $20 plan, or today I hit my average handle time, yay. No, today I engage with someone and, you know, I think we'll get $20,000 of lifetime value. So, so have it, waterfall it down, make it real for the guys doing it, because then their behavior will change. Yeah, right? do you They'll compensate recognize. off of that? What was that? Do you compensate off of that? Of lifetime value, I definitely it, would. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, so. I would. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And then it speaks to cross sell, it speaks to upsell, it speaks to service level. It doesn't matter if you spend eight minutes or twelve minutes with that person. You just made the business twenty thousand dollars over the next ten years. No one's arguing with that. No. No one. No. No. And I mean, I gotta imagine there's a certain element where once you start adding more products, especially it's called an insurance world your chance of losing that customer diminishes as you add more products, right? Right, 
yeah. like two cars, a house, life insurance, all you of a sudden, it. like it's a huge pain for me to switch. Right. Um, so bizarrely, I mean, like whatever it's worth. Um, so, I mean, I worked with one of the companies that are a fortune five company in the most innovative companies changing the world. Right. And they actually mapped this out a little and the magic number, interestingly, is 2.6. So that's maybe huh. something you can take away. So if you have 2.6 products per person, your chance of that person staying with you long term increases. You go over that number, people start getting resentful about the share of wallet that they were giving away to one company. Right. So less than that, you're getting competition. More than that, people are like, no, these guys are costing me $3,000 a month. Let me look elsewhere. Yeah. So if that's a little bit of nugget you can take away. The 2.6 is apparently the magic number. Interesting. I like that. I like that. I would have thought it would be more. Um, all right. Wrap. So, Sean, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. Um, I think this, uh, this might provoke some thoughts in some of our listeners um, in a good way. Um, you know, again, it's a harder number to measure, I think. It's not mm -hmm. as easy, black and white, which is maybe why some folks shy away from it. But ultimately, everything else rolls into this. And so thank you for uh, chatting with us here on our podcast today. I appreciate your time. Greg, it was great. Thanks for the time. Yeah, have a cool day. Yeah, you too. Okay, cool.